Hi guys, it's Jill, and welcome to the Jet Real Podcast. Uh, this week's episode is yet to be determined, but sometimes those are the best because we're just going to free flow, and whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth. So let's just get rocking and rolling on this bad boy, okay? Let's talk. Let's talk about some things. Um, I've been told several times by several people via email that this podcast is very akin to um, having a phone call with a friend. I just happen to be the one that's dominating the conversation, um, which is what I do anyway, because uh, so, I'm a jerk. Um, but I don't really have like a huge like thing to talk about today. Um, there's, there's a thing that's on my brain. And I can talk about that, but it's not really, like, a huge deal. Um, But, ah, what the hell. Uh, So, today, I'm chilling. And I get on Twitter, because I'm bored. I'm walking to class, right? And I see that an individual has sent me a tweet. And I was like, hmm, what is this tweet? And, uh, because I did not see it. And uh, I was, I just read it, and I was like, oh. So the tweet said something to the effect of, um, I just want everybody's opinion or somebody's opinion on, um, like what's the best type of neck rope, uh, because maybe they're not the softer option after all, after seeing Jed Equithiri's neck rope, it's rather sharp. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) okay, um, that's not the reaction at all that I expected. So, um... You know, uh, where that came from, I'm assuming, is from my most recent uh, post on Instagram as of today, uh, which is Tuesday, March 10th, because it's 1 (laughs) a.m. But yeah, I I assume that that came from my most recent post where I posted a picture of the um, unbridled guide from Unbridled Wings, who is Melanie and Brendan Wise, and... um, uh, I received their um, unbridled guide, which is essentially a cordio or a neck rope, um, as a Christmas gift that I asked for from an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> um, we're not going to talk about that, um, but got it. Didn't have to pay for it. It's pretty nice. And uh, I really like it. And I kind of want to talk about that a little bit um, because I think some things got misconstrued. And um, I also have a post about it that I intend on posting. It's drafted and I'm going to post it. But, um, essentially for those of you who would rather just me tell you rather than read my post is that, um, (laughs) it's so tricky because I, I think that the horse world and like, this is no shade or like negative regard to the person who tweeted that it was an honest question. But I think that the horse world, horse girl, I also am so dry mouth right now and I'm far too lazy to go get a water bottle. I think that the horse world is really, really quick to be like, abuse, that's wrong. Don't do that. What is this? Call into question this. And, um, that is really frustrating. Um, and I've, I've been guilty of it before too. Um, but it's really frustrating as a human (laughs) who's like trying to do right by their animal to frequently have their actions called into question, uh, in the realm of 
ethics, you know? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's disheartening, I guess. Um, cause the tweet threads were a little bit akin the nature of like, mm, this is potentially like unethical. How is she not getting her head handed to her? And I was like, wow, this is a smaller scale version of that one time that I posted that maybe we shouldn't use whips. <laughs> hey, guess what? I still use whips, not mounted, but like in lunging. Um, to propel the horse forward, but I do not hit them with the whip. Um, um, and that's just, that's not speaking on what anybody else should do. That is just what I do. Take it or leave it. Um, but regarding the neck rope, I was I, like, I was just really taken aback by that because I did not foresee that coming at all. And, um, like, in my post about the neck rope and me using it, I posted a picture of it and I posted a video of me using it. And if you've never touched it before, um, I guess it looks sharp, but it's, it's very round. <laughs> Not only is it circular shaped, but the like material itself is round. I don't know. I'm sure it says on their website what material it is, but it's like, like poly plastic something I don't know it's it's durable so it's not gonna snap like plastic but it's like super round super round that was really intelligent um <laughs> like I don't know it's bendy it's flexible um but I don't get sharp I guess because it's it's thin so maybe there's not so much like um pressure distribution but um like what I'm having trouble understanding is like I mean at least um in all of my posts about it and the way that I'm training now, um, you know what I mean? Like not everybody reads my posts obviously, but, um, I, I, it, it frustrates me when people want to call in to question others' actions without doing research. I don't know if that makes sense. And I, I'm like, I'm genuinely not trying to throw shade. I want to draw attention to a bigger issue, not this one person. Like, I mean, we all do it. We're all like, mm, I, I don't know what with that or that looks wrong. And that is my opinion instead of like searching. I mean, we all do that. Um, but <laughs> like being on the opposite end of it, you're like, Hey society, why are you doing that? Um, but I don't know. I just, and everything that I do I try to have my horse's best interest. Um, I'm struggling with that phrase for some reason right now. At heart? Like, best interest at heart? Is that how that goes? I'm, like, having a total aneurysm right now over that. But um, I don't know. I just... Everything I do is centered around ethics and trying to, um, you know, do right by my horse and uh, make her the happiest and most comfortable animal that she can be in our world and doing the things that we do together. And, um, I really want to ride. I want to get back to that. And, um, I'm not hoping to like be doing eventing. I currently, I'm very content just to walk around and hack on her. Like I don't need to be jumping and galloping around to be satisfied with her right now. Would I love to get there? Yes. Am I rushing it? No, not at all. So, um, like the the point of using a neck rope is not like my reasoning for doing it was not only because that's hella dope dog if you can ride your horse bridleless hell yeah like let's do that it's freaking awesome hi kitty attacking me um but it, it's freaking awesome who doesn't want to ride bridleless it's like black stallion on the beach let's do it dog but um beyond that 
Um, I've been having some issues. Okay. So, um, you know, a lot of you know that I have, um, been writing Zoe bitless. So, um, I have changed nose bands several times, like nose pieces, nose band pieces, Tavison piece, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. The part that goes across the bridge of her nose. Um, I had a fuzzy piece on it, a thin strap. I bought several different, um, types of leather. Um, I settled on the ergonomic one, uh, that I have right now and it doesn't seem to make her face or make it slip around her face. Um, but then I bought like a chin strap that's elastic and then the LG bridle, which had like crazy incredible reviews. And so for all intents and purposes, it should be amazing. Perfect. And I have been working really, really hard on, um, you know, reteaching the cues, um, for turning and stopping with it. Um, but she just seems to not appreciate the pressure. Um, like we'll just be hacking around and she tosses her head or, and like, if I apply pressure half of the time I get a head toss. Um, so it's, it's just frustrating to her. Um, I'm doing the best I can with it because, I mean, ideally, the less equipment, the better, but I'm not entirely sure that in this case, a hackamore is the right answer. I'm going to keep trying and see if I can, um, convince her (laughs) otherwise. Um, or I might try a bit. Um, I, I don't think that she has any inherent problems with a bit. Um, but hey, can you not eat the cords, please? That would be great. Um, but I mean, ultimately, I just would like to be able to ride bridalist and, uh, do without all of those equations, you know, ideally. But, um, I don't know. I just, she's always been a bit persnickety about her nose. Um, I, I always heard stories from Sunny about when she was at the track that, um, she was really difficult to lead because she didn't like pressure on her nose. And, um, the grooms or jockeys would put a, um, a chain over her nose and Sunny was like, do not do that. She will, (laughs) she will levitate. And, um, one day they did. And that's exactly what she did. She went straight up in the air and, um, like all four off the floor, a big levitate. (laughs) Um, and, uh, I've never used a shank on her because of that. And anytime that, um, you know, back in the olden days when I would shank her, I would get a rear. She does not like nose pressure. It does not feel good. I don't blame her. It's perfectly understandable. Um, beyond that, I mean, and I could be biased because I'm not a huge fan of nose bands anyway. I I don't know where that really came from, but like it started when I was like around 15, I think when I had Bo, because I had a a coach that wanted me in a flash and I was like, I don't want to use that. It bothers him and it bothers me to strap his mouth down. And she was like, you have to. And I was like, I'm not doing it. Um, so I just like argued with every single trainer I had after that (laughs) in terms of using a flash. I just don't like them for whatever reason. And I don't look at other people and I'm like, oh my God, they're using a flash. Like, so abusive. Whatever. It's your horse. You do you. Um, I don't like them. And I'm pretty much the same way about nose bands. Don't care for them. I think that they're, they don't really serve a purpose. And I know that people sit there and they're like, hey dude, um, nose bands help horses not put their tongue over the bit. To me, the tongue going over the bit speaks to a larger issue usually. Um, could be wrong, not an expert, but, um, also, uh, the amount of horses that do that are very few and far between. And if a bit is properly situated, it's also really difficult for that to happen. So, um, I think that 
um, there are other solutions to that problem other than um, strapping the horse's face together. Um, also, they can create a lot of tension in the neck and um, just by having the horse's face clamped shut and doesn't have the jaw mobility as much. And um, I don't know. I just, I also am of the mind that if I'm riding and my horse needs to evade the pressure of my hands because it's too much or unskilled or um, I also have this really fun habit where sometimes my hands just jerk. Uh, it happens when I'm driving too. Uh, it's really scary and annoying. I'll just be driving and I have a twitch and I used to get in trouble all the time in lessons because my hand would involuntarily jerk and uh, my coach would be like, quit yanking on your horse's mouth. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it wasn't intentional. It just yanks down for some reason. It happens on the steering wheel. It happens on reins. I don't know why. I'm just dysfunctional <laughs> a little bit. Um, but so I think that the horse should have the opportunity to um, soften and ease that pressure um, because ultimately the goal is self-carriage. You want the horse to carry the bridle, carry himself, and uh, you ha maintain a light contact, not pulling on the horse. And, um, you know, if the horse is carrying himself and, you know, you have a light contact, uh, theoretically, the horse would not need to open his mouth. Therefore, you don't need a noseband. Um, so, I mean, that's just kind of my school of thought. Um, I, I haven't really run across many people that... Um, are of that mind. I don't know why that started for me. I just like, I like go through my old videos. I hardly ever use a noseband unless I'm at a show. Um, so I just, I don't like them. And also when you ride a bunch of different horses, uh, adjusting a noseband, like the horses that share a bridle, I guess, um, adjusting one more thing <laughs> is annoying. So I just like say, forget them. Um, unless my boss is like that horse, I want a noseband on because it's going to be a show horse. It needs to know how to have a noseband. Um, so I follow orders when given, but, um, outside of that, whatever. Also, I guess this episode is going to be, um, talking about tack, which is fine. Um, because I've wanted to do that anyway. Um, I'm, I'm shooting for a YouTube video, but, um, I've gotten adjusted to talking for ages. So I don't think I could condense this conversation into YouTube video. And beyond that, editing talking videos, frankly, very annoying. So, and boring. And I hate them. So, um, yeah. So that is my stance on nose bands. Let's just work our way through equipment, I guess. Um, I should probably finish my thought on, um, the cardio situation, um, uh, which is a neck rope if I didn't already say that. Um, so essentially I just got called out for it being like a sharp neck rope. And, um, the material is not sharp whatsoever. And if, uh, it's getting called into question because it's thin, um, I guess I understand that because, uh, obviously the like point of pressure wouldn't be distributed. It's like very small because the, you know, the device that's administering pressure is small. I don't know why I'm speaking like I'm an old person. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, the, I think what's getting misconstrued there is that, um, you would need to use it, um, with a lot of leverage. Um, so my goal is, well, okay. So usually when people ride with neck ropes, um, and I'm not talking about the skilled ones, like the people that just have their horses and hop on with a neck rope, they usually use like a paracord braid thing and, go at it. And usually it's a, like a pretty dope horse. It's like, whatever, it doesn't care. 
um, you can just like pull and it'll stop eventually. Um, or you can turn like that and, um, just like essentially pulling the horse where you want it to go. I know when I used to do it, I had to like throw it up pretty high on the horse's neck. Also didn't have a horse that was trained by any definition of the word to steer or stop with a cordio, but, um, I had to pull pretty hard and whatnot and to get a turn or a back or a stop or whatever. And, um, it just wasn't really super effective for me. I don't know why I've just never been graced with a horse that just makes that transition very easily. It could be for lack of proper training or, um, I don't know. I'm just an idiot. It could be any number of reasons, but I, <laughs> like, I think that that's where the misunderstanding is coming from that this being like a thin, um, piece of equipment, it would be harsh. Um, and that's, that's often common in, um, you know, horse world these days is like a brow band, uh, well, not a brow band, um, a head stall, like the part that goes behind the ears. Um, if that's thin, it's probably creating a pressure point. If a girth is thin, it's a pressure point. If a nose band is thin, if a bit is thin, especially a bit, the thinner the bit is usually the harsher. Um, of course, it all depends on how it's used, blah, blah, blah. but, um, yeah, so, uh, I think that that is the misconception that it would be like, you would be pulling a lot on it. My goal, um, like my personal goal, how I'm training it, how I'm using it is, um, to be a cue. I don't want to, um, ride Zoe and pull until she stops. I want to touch her with the cordio and her stop. And I'm using positive reinforcement to do this. Um, obviously there's some level of negative reinforcement used. Um, I'm not sure how much you would have to ask her. Um, but I touch her with the, um, the cordio first. And if she doesn't respond, then I pick up my rein and touch her with that. She already knows that cue. I'm not pulling her to a stop. It's a cue to stop. Um, that has been reinforced through negative reinforcement, of course. Um, but as soon as she stops and I release and I click and treat. And then after that, um, cause it's essentially new cue, old cue, and then reinforcement. So I'm cueing with the new cordio, cueing with the one that she already knows, and then giving her the treat. Um, and then, um, gradually she gets faster at it. And then I stop having to use the old cue. I touch her with the cordio because it becomes a predictor that the, you know, the cue to stop with the bridle is coming. So she starts stopping at the cordio touch and then she gets a click in a tree and then we just work from there. Um, that's how I'm training it. I'm not training it through pulling until she stops. Um, which I think is the misunderstanding and the same goes for turning um, I'm not pulling her over with it. It's just like, um, they actually have a video up on their website, um, unbridledwings.com. They have, uh, like under their store tab, they have a free video, Bridalist 101. Um, obviously I, like if you watch the video, I'm doing it differently than they are. Cause they just pretty much use strictly negative reinforcement. It's pretty kind, but it's still negative reinforcement based, you know? Um, so I'm like taking that idea and like, trying to incorporate positive reinforcement, however skillfully or not. I don't really know. That's up to Zoe. But um, essentially for turning, you just put, um, like you just, you do what you would do with like a bicycle. You turn your hands so that you're 
what would be your outside rein is laying higher up on the horse's neck and your inside uh quote unquote rein is laying on like low closer to the horse's shoulder um on the inside so it's encouraging that flexion uh, which i think is really clever actually to include the inside part um and zoe caught on to that super super fast so um there's that Okay, we're doing a fun thing where I interject here because as I was writing the description for this podcast, I realized I left out a huge freaking part of using that neck rope. Um, so like obviously the component of it being thin is like, you know, to be lightweight and portable. And I just like totally forgot to mention that, like why it's designed that way. Um, at least from my understanding, it's, um, light and thin so that, um, you can, uh, keep it off of the horse. Um, so like paracord, uh, neck ropes or a pair of reins or a lead rope, um, they can be kind of clunky and banging around on the horse's, uh, chest perhaps. Um, and with Zoe, I would like to be able to be really accurate and really clear. Um, so if the neck rope touches the bottom of her chest, I would like her to half halt or slow. Um, and I think that, um, having, uh, like a looser built neck rope, uh, maybe muddies that clarity a little bit or, um, dulls that cue. Um, or you have to use more pressure to differentiate from when it's just resting. I don't know. Um, to me, it seems clearer. And the reason it's thin is to provide lightness so that it's easier to keep it off the horse's neck. And in the, the explanation video, um, that the Brendan Wise does with Melanie is, um, uh, they say that to keep it off of their neck as much as you can, uh, unless you're cueing something, which I think is really wise, um, because self-carriage, you know? So yeah, I just wanted to interject that as to why it's like thin and light is to, um, you know, be easier for the rider to hold. So you don't have to compensate with your position. Um, I have another neck rope that's rather thick that holds its shape. Um, but it's, it's really heavy and trying to keep it like, out in front, like almost perpendicular to the ground instead of, um, like hanging down like gravity would have, um, there's a lot of resistance. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw that little bit in here, um, as a case for, <laughs> for the, the unbridled guide. And so, I mean, none of it is pushing and pulling and using a ton of force and, um, you know, most people that I see riding bridalists don't really do that either because their horses respond to cues. But I think that that's um, largely how it's trained um, often. Um, but I mean, obviously, that doesn't speak for everyone. Um, but yeah, so like, I don't know. It's It was just disheartening that people's automatic conclusion would be that I like <laughs> am just using something that's hurting my horse. I don't know. Or that... Um, using that neck rope would be harsher than using a bit or a hackamore. I was like, uh, okay. I mean, I guess that's something that I need to address then if that's confusing. Um, so now we have that. Um, and yeah, so I talked about nosebands and that cordio incident, but I, I'm so glad that I found a topic. I see, I told you, this is what happens. I just have to talk my way into it and then my subconscious takes over and then we find out what I actually wanted to talk about. Um, so beyond those two things, um, let's talk about bits. So that is a topic that everybody 
a little bit hot and heavy about, right? So personally, my opinion on bits is that they are as harsh as you make them. I think that you can teach a horse to be ridden uh, with positive reinforcement using a bit. I think that a horse can be taught to like a bit. I think a horse can be taught to carry a bit willingly. I think that bits can be good things. I think that they can be wonderful tools to provide information to horses. I think it makes training really clear. Um, but there is always the but. Um, they're incredibly easy to misuse and um, uh, often used in increasing pressure, which is not something that I always disagree with. I mean, you know, in certain situations, you have to, um, uh, in order to keep yourself safe or the horse safe. Um, like in recent times, the only times that I've used increasing pressure with Zoe have been when we're, she's like going, she's made it, making a beeline for a gelding and we have to be like, no, we're going to squeal. Somebody's going to put a foot through a fence. No, thank you. Um, other than that, that's about it. Um, I'm pretty patient with her and I would just rather not do that beyond that. She doesn't respond well to it. It tells her that, um, to speak anthropomorphically, that I don't care um, about what she's asking. And it's very contradictory to um, all the work that I've been doing. And it sort of undoes that trust with her um, because she's a horse, I think, that really, um, for lack of a better word, values that um, or respects it or whatever the horse equivalent is, um, that that's what she responds best to is having the freedom to choose and respond without that, um, that escalation or the, um, or else factor, a threat of like, this is going to get worse unless you comply when I ask you the first time, you know? And, um, I think that's very common in horse training that if the horse doesn't listen to you, it's, you know, it's, you're, you're being disrespected, it's going to usurp your power, or it's going to just walk all over you, and I don't think that's necessarily true at all. <laughs> um, but, I mean, again, to each his own. But also, I hope that you guys can't hear my stomach gurgling. Uh, I recently found out that I'm lactose intolerant, and I may have had some pizza and a sandwich with cheese on it today, so my stomach is really not happy with me. Um, so if you hear it grumbling, just, just know it's trying to get in on the pod. <laughs> um, okay. So anyway, I think that bits can be extremely, extremely valuable in writing. And I think if used well, um, they're, they're great. I have zero problem with them. My problem with them is when they're just ridiculous, you know, like double twisted wire bits, bicycle chain bits, um, bits that use an like asinine amount of pressure, I mean leverage, um, uh, bits that are designed to inflict pain. Um, no, thank you. And, um, also then you have the, I don't know if Marilyn Little Meredith of the world or Marilyn, I don't know what her freaking name is. She, I learned her as Marilyn Little Meredith. I guess it's, is it Marilyn Little now? I don't know. We don't need those. The, the, the bloody mouths. Um, and like, it's just, it's, that's ridiculous, you know? Uh, so there's that. And that is the argument for like, that is the epitome of the, like, you should go bitless. And, you know, I think that this argument has been beaten to death, um, to use our, in the horse world's favorite expression, we've beaten a dead horse with this 
conversation that bitless is inherently better and it's not. Um, I think it really depends on the horse's level of education and how that education has been enacted. Like, I mean, if you, if you buy a new horse and it's only ever known a bit and you throw it in a hackamore, the hackamore is not going to be more humane 10 out of 10 times. (laughs) Like it's, uh, or nine out of 10, I guess I should say, um, the horse will likely, um, become heavier in it and, uh, lean against it. Um, and they get used to it, you know, and you reteach the cues in it and they understand it pretty quickly, but, um, you might have to use more pressure than you would with a bit. Um, and they have sensitive noses. They have sensitive mouths. It's just which one is going to give you the lighter ride. Um, while I do think that, um, that's really important to consider. I think it's also important to, um, consider that you have to train it. You can't just like put a new piece of equipment on like a bit or a bridle or a cordio and be like, okay, horse now do it. Like, and if you don't, then I'm just going to use an absurd amount of pressure on you until you understand, like you actually have to train it. Um, and I think a lot of that for traditional riders comes from a lack of understanding of how negative reinforcement actually works. Speaking as somebody who was one, uh, where you just like do what people tell you to do and you have no idea like how you're making the behavior occur more often. You just keep forcing the animal to do it. Um, but I think that there's been like an incredible, incredible awakening to how negative reinforcement actually works. And a lot of people are talking about it more. So it's making, um, traditional riding a lot more effective, I think. Um, and maybe that's just in my tiny bubble, but it, it feels like that to me. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's all that. Um, I think the equipment, um, is dependent on a lot of things. Uh, bits are not inherently abusive. Hackamores are not inherently more humane, nor are cordios. I think that they can all be abused. I think that they can all be, um, more severe than the other, given the context, given the horse, given the rider. Depends on how heavy your hands are, like, the circumstances, how the horse has been trained, its past, its understanding of cues. Like, there's so many different factors that go into it, and it's just... I think it's really ignorant to say that, like, and I mean, my opinion may be subject to change in the future, but right now I say that it's quite ignorant to just say a blanket statement that all bits are bad, all hackamores are bad, all cordios are bad. You know, I don't know anybody that would say that, but um, the first two (laughs) are definitely conversations that are had, and people love to argue that hackamores are not more humane than than bits, Um, and... I, I agree. I just don't understand why there's like such a strong stance on that. Um, they both can be abusive and they both can be incredible. So I really just think it depends on the horse. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, spurs. Uh, and I know that this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, as a person who has been, um, very heavily into positive reinforcement, I think, because here's the deal. Um, I, my like school of thought shift, I guess, has transformed less from purest positive reinforcement to more, um, Lima based. So least intrusive, minimally aversive. Um, like let's do what we can to get like what we need or what we want, I guess. Um, 
using like the most humane method possible. So if you're on an old school horse or whatever, going in around the arena, trying to get through your lesson, you know, you don't own the horse, you, whatever. Um, you can't control all of its training. You see it once a week or whatever. And when you get on this thing, you have to beat the absolute daylight out of its sides to get it to go forward. Like you have to nail this sucker (laughs) to get him to go forward because he just is so done with his job probably in learned helplessness, doesn't enjoy it, is just dead to the world, doesn't care about you, doesn't care about you kicking him. He's just like, whatever, okay, I'm going to keep walking. Um, I think that um, in that circumstance, um, all other, you know, uh, variables, solutions aside, um, using a spur is more humane than beating the horse to death. Because <laughs> um, I don't, and I don't think anybody would argue with me that a sharp prick of a spur, um, like over the course of a millisecond is in, more inhumane than beating a horse 10, 15 times before you get him to kick up into a trot. Like one is going to get the horse to go forward without, you know, much to do. The other one is going to require a lot of effort on both of your parts and a lot of undue stress on the horse, I think. Um, and beyond that, I think that spurs can be used um, to give, um, oh my God, what is the word? Like nuanced cues um, and higher level dressage horses. Um, I think that they um, can lend themselves to more nuance. That's redundant, whatever. Um I, I think that there's a lot of use for them. I don't agree with like big roweled spurs or anything like that, or, um, you know, the fun ones that leave blood marks, um, or kicking the horses or uneducated people riding in them. Um, because, or I guess uneducated or, um, like weak, uh, just in the muscles that require or allow you to keep your legs still. If your legs swinging all over the place, you do not need to have a spur because <laughs> you will be spurring the horse every step. Um, so I think that that's a really important thing to take into consideration as well. Again, the equipment is only as harsh as the person who rides in it. Um, you know, like I'm trying to think of a comparison, somebody who rides in a spur and never touches it with the horse is not, or touches the horse with it is not abusing them. They just have a spur on, but if they can skillfully keep it off the horse, what's the problem? And if they need it for an occasional cue, um, I think that's fine. But I don't think that it's um, nice to the horse if you have to, like, beat it, you know. Um, At the last show I went to on my boss's horse, Flit, um, he's a little bit um, stuck behind the legs sometimes. And um, I'm not responsible for his training. It's not my job. It's not my horse. And um, I rode under her trainer and so the solution to him being behind the leg was to kick the daylight out of him. And I didn't want to have to do that. Um, the trainer didn't want me to have to do that. His owner didn't want me to have to do that. So we just put a spur on and um, I would just bump him with it and off we go. And, you know, sometimes, and I, I hate to say it, um, but sometimes if the horse knows that you've got a spur on, they will be more responsive off your leg to avoid it. I mean, it's a fear response, an avoidance response, um, and it sucks that that's the case, but if it must be done, then it must be done, you know? Um, And I think that that 
leads into whips too, that some horses act better with whips because they're afraid of it. Um, I would prefer my horse act better because it wants to and (laughs) it enjoys its job, not because it's avoiding getting beaten. Um, But whips are something that I don't really agree with, period. And um, I've had several conversations with several different people about this and um, I just can't really like you, I think that if you, um, poke yourself with a spur, you'll find that you're a lot, um, that it's a lot easier to control the severity of it. Whereas with a whip, it's going to hurt every time. <laughs> like it, it's really hard to control the intensity. And, um, I just don't really like them. I have used them in times past. Um, I think, um, in all honesty, the past horse show that I was at with Flit, um, on show jumping day, it was the same situation. He was very behind my leg. He was tired and I felt horrible about it, but I like, I had to ride him. It was my, it was my job. And, um, I, I feel horrible about it. I don't like it, but I had to whip him to get him to go forward. It just, I don't know. It just, whips don't really make a whole lot of sense to me because, we love these animals. They're incredible, wonderful beings. We say that they're our family and our best friends. And, um, like you wouldn't dream of whipping a dog, but you can whip a horse. And I mean, there are obviously parallels that don't match up with that. Like you wouldn't ride your dog, but like also you can't. Um, and obviously horses and humans have a different relationship, but I think it's that relationship that would prevent the want to like take a stick and hit it. Like you wouldn't hit your kid with one. You wouldn't hit your dog or your cat. Like, and horses are so much closer to me than dogs or cats. And I just like, I don't think I've ever hit Zoe with a whip. Not that I can like call to mind. Um, yeah, I, I don't really think, cause I think I was always afraid of what she would do if I did. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't really like them. Like I said, it's very hard to control the intensity of them. Um, I know a lot of people say it's like the only way to teach a pee off or a passage and like, it's just for cueing. Um, but, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't tried to teach a pee off or a, uh, a passage, but, um, I don't really care to either. Um, and if I have to use a whip, I don't want to, um, but I don't know. I I mean, like, I think, I think it might be easier to control it from the ground, but when you're riding, especially like a crop, those are hard to control and a whip. It's just like, it doesn't ever really feel like a tap. I don't think, um, I don't know. I could be totally wrong. I just, I would rather refrain from using them altogether. Um, except for in lunging. I do use them in lunging, um, just because, some ponies like Maze, um, so lazy on the lunge line. She just like doesn't care. Um, so to get her to go forward, we have to have to chase her a little bit. Um, and that is not my favorite goings on, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. So, um, yeah, I, I think I'm, you know, in lunging, like the argument can be made that it's scaring the horse and that's how you're getting it to go forward. I don't love that either. And I don't like making training fear-based, like do it or else, or I'm going to beat you with the stick. Um, Maze doesn't seem particularly bothered by it. <laughs> She's like, whatever human, 
I would like to just walk or sniff the ground. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I just, I try to avoid whips as much as possible. I just don't really care for them. Um, and everybody has an opinion on it. I don't look down on people that use a whip or anything like that. I just would rather refrain from it. Um, as far as other tack goes, um, I mean, the obvious stuff, I like protective boots. I like polos. Um, I like saddles. Saddles are a big deal. Um, and I think that that's becoming really prevalent too, is like having a well-fitted saddle, which your girl finally has two of. Um, I finally have two saddles that actually fit my horse. Um, I started with this horse when she was a three-year-old and she is now about to be nine and we finally have two saddles that fit. So six years of not having saddles that fit. It's a very painful and arduous process. I hated it with all my heart. But we finally have saddles that are incredible and I love them both. They're both counties. They're both custom to me and Zoe. Stupid expensive and thank God I got some of my college paid for because that's where that money came from. Um, so uh, right out of my college fund. But uh, yeah, so now I have two saddles that are comfortable for both of us and um, I think, I think, I don't want to speak too soon, but I think I might have finally reconditioned all the hatred for saddle and girth out of Zoe. Uh, I'll hold for applause. Thank you. Because um, <laughs> every time I put it on, it hurt her. She did not like it. It did not fit her. So why would she be happy about it? And the same with the girth. She had ulcers and uh, like all sorts of bad things. Um, but now we tack up with happy ears and she hardly even notices that I'm tacking her up anymore. She's just like looking around doing whatever. Um, and so saddle fit is super, super important, which ties into the next topic, half pads. We could go on all day about half pads. Let's just all agree. Memory foam half pads. They suck. It's a gimmick. It is not like a memory foam bed where it's comfortable. Also memory foam beds suck. They're horrible. They turn into like concrete. I currently have a purple mattress because I like rocket scientists and they designed it. So, <laughs> and it's also very comfortable. So if, if you are interested, I love it. Um, but, uh, memory foam, just like simple logic. It doesn't make any sense. I never got the Ogilvy trend. It, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would you want something that holds a shape? Like if all you're doing is walking the horse, I get it because like the memory foam theoretically could make up for um, the deficiencies the saddle has. Maybe if it's too wide, it could fill in those gaps. But if you're posting um, or galloping or and then sitting, if you're changing your position at all, you're adjusting the difference between the saddle and the horse's back constantly and it's shifting all over the place. Not to mention it doesn't have like a shock absorbing cushioning effect if it's packed down and then you sit on it. It's just like a piece of concrete. Um, so, I mean, for like trail rides and stuff, totally go for it. Um, but for like the heavy duty riding, like, all right, have fun. Uh, there have been studies on it. I think now that are like, Hey, don't do that. So thankfully, um, I avoided that trend altogether. Like I literally just never got it. I, when people started posting about it, I was like, why that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and like, I get it. Not everybody can afford a saddle that fits your horse, but that is the most paramount piece of tack. Um, 
I learned this, especially talking about like Zoe not having a saddle that fit for years. I had no idea why my position in dressage sucked so freaking bad. And it's because my saddle was tipping me forward for years on Bo and on her. Um, uh, if you don't know, I had a custom stack house made for Bo and it did not fit him because Loki stack house is kind of the worst. Don't let David know that I said that. Um, I, they make beautiful saddles. Um, as far as fit, not my favorite in the world. I'm allowed to have that opinion. Don't shoot. Um, th- it just, I mean, and I, I know people that love them and they're incredible, incredibly sweet to people, but I just did not like those saddles. Um, and I still love riding in it. Like on the horses that it does fit out here. I love riding in that saddle. I miss it, but, uh, it, it did not fit my horse whatsoever. And, uh, the dressage saddle, I just, I don't really like altogether. It, it just tips me forward horribly on whatever I sit on. And, it's just, it's not my favorite saddle. And then I got my county. Uh, it's a county epiphany, uh, dressage saddle. And it just, it, you don't even have to, I like thought you had to work really hard to have a decent dressage position and you don't <laughs> like if your saddle fits and it fits your horse, you just, you just there. And like, maybe there's a little ab work and you have to like pull your shoulder blades back and like hold your legs still. But other than that, like you're just there. It's amazing. Um, and like I said, obviously not everybody can afford that, but if you have the opportunity to save, that is the most important piece of equipment that you can have for your horse's longevity and for your advancement as a rider and uh, for both your happiness. Because if you're tipped forward, you're screwing up all sorts of things. I know that I was because I got very dependent on my hands and very tight in my arms and shoulders because I felt like I was falling all the time. And, um, caused me back problems. My leg was out of whack. And yeah, it's just very bad. If you have a saddle that fits, you don't have any of those problems. You can just balance. You're good. Um, so really important and, um, also saves your horse. My cat's just knocked over there. Food like they do every night. Why do they do that? That's so freaking annoying. Don't get animals. Anyone. I'm telling you, don't do it. It's a bad idea. Um, constantly cleaning up after them. In fact, I just spent like 30 minutes sweeping and cleaning my floor and now I will have to do it again. Um, anyway, saddles, very important. Um, if you can't afford a saddle that fits, um, hopefully your saddle is too wide because it's solvable. If it is too narrow, um, get a new horse. (laughs) I like, I don't know what to tell you. That's just bad. Borrow one, um, sell it on eBay, find another one. It's plenty of solutions to that. It's just... I would not, um, ride in a saddle. It's too narrow. Your horse is going to hate you. Um, as far as, uh, too wide, mad as pads. I've like every single saddle fitter that I've ever worked or like hired, I guess. Um, they've all told me like all different types of saddle fitters have said mad as pads are the superior ones. They're pricey, but they're worth it. And they saved me a lot of headache. Um, while I was going through all of that. And they also help a lot out here with horses that have different shapes, um, can help fill in some of the gaps. Um, but overall it's just, it's really hard to like, if the saddle is too wide to like get the right level of fill. Um, so really just do everything you can to get a saddle that fits right. Um, and beyond that, as far as girths and stuff goes, I'm kind of up in the air. Um, I, don't like I am wary of ergonomic girths. Um, I used to ride in total saddle fit a lot because, 
Um, they're an incredible company that like is so willing to help young aspiring writers, especially social media influencers, um, like throw a rock at a social media influencer and they're probably sponsored by total saddle fit. Um, and, uh, I loved them. They were incredible people, but the, the girth just, it tipped. And so, um, you know, they have the ergonomic design, but in that, it like lengthened one side of the girth. So, um, like the front side, like if you're under the horse's belly, the side closest to its legs, um, is longer than the side that is closest to its hind legs and the rest of its belly. Um, it just, it, so it created a pressure point on the, on the shorter side that's, uh, closest to the hind legs. And so that's just where the girth was hanging on. It wasn't really distributing evenly. So I had a county rep tell me to buy the county girth that, uh, allegedly total saddle fare ripped off. And, um, I don't know if that's true or not, but, uh, total saddle f- or the county girth I have been riding in, I find does quite the same thing. <laughs> so, I don't know who's fibbing here. And, you know, um, I'm giving the county girth a few shots because, um, my jump saddle that I've been riding in it predominantly, um, the billets aren't stretched out. Um, on my dressage saddle, the back billet is longer than the front one. So it like, um, compensates for that a little bit better, but on my jump saddle is not like that. So I'm confused. Um, I also, um, have tapestry equine products girths, and I had really good luck with those. Um, my county rep told me that, um, that's a lot of really centralized pressure and around the ridges, um, that, that could be creating pressure points, but the entire design of the girth, um, I talked to, um, the owner of Total Saddle Fit. I met her at Rolex one year and she was like, I ride a bunch of sensitive thoroughbreds. She also has spurs that are specifically designed for uh, thoroughbreds because they're more sensitive geared spurs. And I actually really liked those on some of the green horses I rode. Um, but, uh, the, the girth, uh, is designed to avoid pressure points. And, um, I'm, I'm not sure I haven't read uh, the academic journal on it. Um, so I don't know the full details, but, um, I had really good success with that girth and I really liked it. And I am sort of sitting here talking myself back into using it. Um, I think the reason, if I remember correctly, that I haven't been using it is because my pony is currently a little bit chubbier than she was when I got that girth. (laughs) So I don't think it fits right now. I think it would fit my dressage saddle, but it's still a little bit too short. So I might have to reach out to Linda and be like, yo, can I cop another one? Um, so yeah, uh, that is that those are thems. And now, you know, this, um, I think that that about covers it. It's been 48 minutes. It's one thirty-seven in the morning here. And I have a little orange Wallace cat on my shoulder. Um, I don't know if you can hear him purring. Can you do some ASMR? Can you hear him? I don't know. You'll have to tell me. Um, but yeah, I think that that wraps it up. I hope that my opinions were not too radical for you. And, um, you know, I'm not, again, not hating on anybody for saying anything. Um, the only way we learn is by calling attention to things that we don't understand and asking for clarification. Um, I think that my 
could have been executed a little bit better, but um, also another opportunity to learn. Um, and it was an opportunity f- for me to be aware of something. Like, it never even crossed my mind that people might be like, that's then it could hurt the horse. Um, and I'm talking about the neck rope again. Um, but yeah, so I hope that you guys enjoyed that and maybe opened your mind to a new perspective. Yes. Uh, but I think for the most part, I'm pretty moderate in all of my opinions. I always have been my first, um, one of my videos that really blew up on, uh, YouTube and I'm tempted to do again for that exact reason was called controversial tack talk, where I talked about all sorts of different, um, tack and my opinions on it. And I've always been very moderate on, uh, just like, I think that everything depends on how you use it. Um, I think that the biggest opinion that's changed is probably on whips. I just really would rather not, you know? Um, but beyond that, everything is like, it depends on how you use it. I don't agree with how a lot of that equipment is used regularly, but that doesn't mean the equipment itself is bad. Um, and it doesn't mean that the people are bad or the horses are bad or anything like that. It's just like, that's not what I think, but that doesn't always matter. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think that that about concludes this episode. If you guys have anything that you would like me to um, discuss in future episodes, please shoot me an email, jetreelpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, You will not be bothering me. It may take me a hot minute to get back to you, but I will. I will get back to you, I promise. Um, That's probably better than trying to reach me on Instagram. And uh, beyond that, I think that that about covers it. You can follow me on Instagram. Twitter and Facebook at Jet Equitheory, also YouTube. Um, and then I've been posting on there more recently. I hope you guys are enjoying that. You should go watch all of those videos if you haven't already. Um, and then you can also follow the podcast on Instagram, Jet Real Podcast, to keep up with episodes. Get posted if your platform doesn't notify you regularly. And um, yeah, I think that that's about it. I want to be done now. Can I do that? Thank you. Okay, goodbye. (laughs)